1: You're listening to Black Girl Blueprint,
2: because black girls did it first and honestly better, period, period. (laughs) Hi, everyone, and welcome to Black Girl Blueprint, your fave podcast for all the Gen Z Black girl tea. My name is Lauren.
1: And my name is McKeen and thanks for tuning into today's episode. We have a really dope conversation lined up with our amazing guest, Miss Zoli Griggs. We're gonna talk about the entertainment world. We're gonna talk about like what it's like to be an actress and also just other tea and things that are happening in the world. So we're really excited about that.
2: Yes, we are a huge Zoli Griggs stands over here. So Zoli, why don't you like introduce yourself a little bit, let everybody get to know you, you know? Yes. Hi
3: everyone and thank you, ladies, for having me on the show. I feel honored. Um, I'm Zoe. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I'm 23 years old and I'm waiting for the pandemic to end. <laughs> but I, that. Are, you know, but yeah, I'm 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 well. I'm feeling good despite everything that's going on.
2: That's good. That's, that's good. For anybody who might not know you, where might people have seen you before? Because I you know you're, you know, an actress or whatever. We love that for you. So let the people know. Plug yourself real <laughs> quick.
3: Yes. Okay. It's hard sometimes to, to humble brag. But um, I was on the <laughs> Wu-Tang American Saga. You know, we got the first season on Hulu right now. Um, I've been on Ballers. I have an indie yes. movie called Bit that's super amazing and super awesome. It's about like Ooh. a girl group of vampires. Period. Um, and little <laughs> things here and there. You know, you can check out the IMDB if you want. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, so let's get into the read the room, Lauren. What we got going on today?
2: Mm -hmm. So, right. So for anyone who might be new here, just a little bit of an explanation. This is a segment we like to do at the beginning of every episode where we just chat a little bit about some of our thoughts, honestly, on what's going on in pop culture, personal lives. We'll definitely be responding to any questions or topics that the listeners send in. So today we thought it would be funny to talk a little about the Ellen controversy that's going Mm -hmm. on, which I think... It's absolutely hilarious. I think it's funny. It's the tweets a lot.
1: Yeah, Twitter is always funny. Honestly, cracking me up. Honestly, Twitter is taking running with this. So anyone who doesn't know the controversy, Ellen's been kind of going through it because apparently her workplace is really toxic, which she probably is to blame for. But like, she's kind of been like, oh, I didn't know. But anyways... What we'd want to really focus on rather than the controversy is there's this one tweet that was like, which black woman would you like to see replace Ellen as like a major talk Mm -hmm. show host? So that's what we're going to be chatting about. We have a lot of like, we have some current ones, but like, you know, there's we could there's definitely some like work that can be done in the talk show host to like see black Mm -hmm. girls thrive. So for sure. So who would you like to see, Zoli? Would you kick us off? Who would you imagine as like your dream Black girl talk show host?
3: I think even though I think she has her own, she might have her own talk show or she may be a guest, but I think Keke Palmer is a great candidate. She's, mm-hmm. hilarious. She's mm-hmm. intelligent. She, you know, she can kind of do it all. I also mm-hmm. saw somebody suggest Tabitha Brown. I love Miss Tabitha Brown. I think she would be great because she's Mm -hmm. informative food-wise and she's a mother. So, you know, she's going to have like a new perspective for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And lastly, Tiffany... Polar, they always say it
2: makes
1: new, new York. <laughs> Why did you take my top three? Literally, right? those, were our,
2: those were our top three picks. Those are the ones we put, period. But that's how you know that they're good picks. Exactly. Mm. But there was the tweet that said, like, Tabitha Brown needs, like, a daytime, like, mm-hmm. feel good, maybe, like, a, a cooking show or, like, exactly. something like that. Mm. And then we want Tiffany for, like, the nighttime show where she's just, like, Guess. breaking it down, unfiltered, hilarious. Exactly. That's what we love.
1: A small part of me wants, like, a a girl talk show host. Like, we've never seen, like, not kids, but, you know, like, That's teens true. as talk show hosts. Like, I would love to see Marseille Martin as a talk mm. show host. Like, maybe throw China Ann McClain in yes, there, throw, like, Yar Shahidi in there. That would just be, like, a view but for yeah. the girls, you know?
2: Like a little Gen Z talk show host. That'd be cute. Mm-hmm. We here for it. We here for it. I'm here
1: for it. How about you, Lauren?
2: I think those are my topics, too, honestly. I think definitely maybe, like, a Marseille Martin with, like, Maybe like a Sky Jackson collab. I feel like the two of them could be cute on a show together. Same thing said. Try and McLean, the Disney girls. Maybe, I don't know much, but I feel like Yara Shahidi, Normani. I want to say I want Rihanna on a talk show. I don't think she would, I don't know if she would do it, but if Rihanna did right. a talk show. You'd be, that would you change things. Everybody tuning in. So Absolutely. Everybody would be tuning in to that one. For real. But with what you were talking about, before with the talk show host for young people I think definitely something that we should talk about is how Netflix announced that some of our fave childhood shows are coming back onto their Mm. platform so I think that's worth mentioning sister sister was my show what were y'all watching
1: honestly this binging of Moesha has like made me forgive Netflix for (laughs) taking off a different world. And like, I just feel like this was like, you know, the golden age in black TV in so many ways. Like I don't even know if I was actually watching them when they were running, but I know I watched all them reruns and like, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of been like taking me back to like, wow. Like, I don't think we, even though we have blackish, you know, we have some attempts, but we don't really have like that range of just like black youth and black families on TV right now in that way you know what I mean exactly. like in a way that felt natural and not like out of touch so that's been a joy I think my favorite like like I said a different world and Moesha were probably my top two 90s black know. TV shows For sure. honestly they take the cake
2: those were mine. It was only what were your fave shows
3: at that time? Honestly, that's a Raven, which I guess it's not nineties, but it was early two thousands. Like it was up there. I yeah, yeah. watched every episode and it's on Disney Plus, so I still am watching it. Like I love it. And then girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Like my mom used to watch girlfriends and I was too young period. to like know really what was going on, but I did rewatch it a couple maybe like a year ago and then to hear um Jones, not Joan. wow, I called her Jones, Tracy <laughs> Ross, I'm <laughs> calling her by Tracy. Okay. Seeing that Tracy said they're going to be bringing it back to Netflix is amazing, so I can watch it again, but um, Girlfriends is like my top, because Good. I feel like it's perfect mm-hmm. for you to watch it now. I'm at the age or approaching the age that they were in the show, so it's like mm-hmm. perfect in, you know, the subjects and everything that they were talking about, and plus I think, the range of characters that they had was amazing. And that's, I think, a big part of how, like, Black sitcoms were so important back then because they were genuine and they were super diverse, but without it being forced and without it feeling like, mm-hmm. you know, like, this is Black. We're gonna talk about Black. And, like, it was just, they were just, mm-hmm. similar, you know? Black. Yeah, right. they were just organically themselves. And it just so happened to be that mm. they we're Black, you know? And I, I feel like right. that's what we're missing now. Is like everything is kind of forced, and it's like we're gonna, like you don't, we don't, we know what being black is. We live it every day. Exactly. Let's just have it mm-hmm. just
1: talk about us, yeah, right? Talk yeah, about it right I'm with that I think also one thing that I'm like uh, revisiting these shows has made me realize is the fits like even that so raven was my that like fits. fashion so inspo. honestly when she redid yes, her room true. I wanted to read like I thought I was going to be an interior designer literally do you guys remember that episode of That so raven yes. where she like redid her whole bed and she had that bed that was like hanging from the ceiling mm-hmm. and I was like whoa hold on a minute like this might be what I need in my life. <laughs> this might be my fashion, dream. Right. At fashion
2: was it. Her it room was, was it. in an attic too.
3: I wanted that too. I'm like, she had her own little area in the house. Like, right. oh, I wanted her life. <laughs> it really was.
1: It was different. It was a time, a real like special time. I think now this might be a good transition to our main convo of sort of like mm-hmm. going from having like watched those those characters and those tv shows growing up and now being an actress yourself and always really haven't been an actress really since a young age for you what we just want to get into your career and like what that's like and Mm -hmm. your experiences there so I met you as Tanisha on Cory in the House (laughs) house. (laughs) but you're also like currently killing it as Shuri on Wu-Tang and we just want to hear all about that and get into that I think one thing that was so beautiful about watching me or me watching you play that role on Wu-Tang was that like I know Wu-Tang through my dad and like the men in my family and in my Mm -hmm. head you know it was like it was a men's story like this is a men's group and I thought Mm -hmm. that the show was going to be that and I was so glad like to see you and the women on that show like really sort of make me rethink like what is it a, is it a men's story? Like his hip hop, his hip hop really like the birth of men, you know what I mean? Like what role women played in sort of formulating that development? And I was just, first of all, you did a great job and it was amazing watching you, Thank but you. I'm also like curious, like what drew you to that role and like just sort of the beginning of it all, like what was the casting process like and what really just appealed to you about him?
3: Um, Just to pick up on just like about the women in the show, I think it's surprising to everybody because when you hear Wu-Tang, especially like a Wu-Tang show, you're imagining just to see the rappers as a formed group Mm. and performing already and famous already, you know, Mm. and the show is so great because it takes you before they were Wu-Tang, before they were the rappers, before they even knew who they were as just young men. And Mm. it shows, like you said, that it's not just about these young men you know, their moms played a big role, their sisters played a big role, their girlfriends played a big role in helping to shape them and who they were. But, you know, you don't hear about that when when the hero story, you just hear about when somebody makes it. Mm -hmm. And so I think Mm. that's why the show is really dope for season one to shine a light on how these women help to mold these men or to push them in certain areas. And I can only hope for season two that, you know, the women get more shine not just Mm. me but you know the other girlfriends and uh erica who plays my mom and things like that so i'm really excited to see how their stories unfold as well but the process i'll talk about the process because every process is different for each job but Mm. it's all kind of the same with acting period (laughs) so this could go for courting house and this so i remember like, so for typical auditions, you audition, you go in person or sometimes a self-tape. Right now, everything is self-tape because of what's going on. So right. you put yourself on tape. They send you a script with, well, they send you sides, which has a certain amount of, you know, scenes um, in it and you memorize the scene and you prepare it as best as you would playing mm. this person. Um, and sometimes the script is included so you can get full context or and then sometimes it's just, certain scenes Um, so you go in you do your audition for Wu-Tang in particular I did a self-tape with a coach we sent it in and didn't hear anything you know but that's typically how it is like Mm. I let go I let God and I go on about my life I can't hold on to yeah you know like you can't hold on to things you you know if you really want something like of course you're going to want to but you can't and I think uh because i auditioned for this in 2018 in Mm. december uh like november december i had been auditioning that whole year and was so close like when you're about to book something they have you do a test which is like test and meet all the producers you meet the directors the writers everybody and sometimes even a chemistry read with other characters and so I had done about four or five tests that year, did not book anything. So I was already Dang. like on my last, you know, I was on my, my wit's end. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I really am not going to harbor over anything. I'm going to just let go, let God. So I felt Dang. like there wasn't that much pressure on me because I had already been through so many hoops. And things, so I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna just do what I do." But I don't really—not I don't care. I don't want to say that because I care, right. but I'm not gonna harbor. Right. So, I was in Italy. <laughs> My grandmother wanted to go on a quick vacation. Okay. And so we went to Italy, and I got an email like, "We want you back." uh they want to see you for a call back they want to you know they want to see you again so when do you get back and it was like this was like two weeks later from the audition so I kind of you know left my mind and all that kind of stuff I was like Mm -hmm. okay well we gotta get back to America so (laughs) I get back (laughs) and it was actually just a test they went straight to test so that means they chose you know. They had narrowed it down and I remember I went in and there were a couple other uh, ladies there that I did happen to see. But, you know, it was the, the good thing I think about now in auditions and in a like audition world, I think women are more sweet to each other and nice you know you don't feel Mm, like that competitive energy like I'm gonna out act right now (laughs) sis like it's not. I feel like it used to be like that when I was like a young girl you know like I felt Mm. like moms would kind of pit us against each other and you would feel Mm. that kind of energy as like an eight-year-old but it doesn't feel that way now that I'm you know an adult so that's dope you know you know we wish each other good luck and you know break a leg and I hope the you know, whoever gets it gets it in peace and love, so it was right. amazing energy. I just went in there, I met Rizza, I met Alex, um, you know, and Kim Coleman, the casting director, and we did our thing. And then, like I said, I left and I was like,
1: We see it is what it is, mm, period.
3: And then, oh, yeah. Right before Christmas, they told me I got it. It was hey, come Christmas on, Christmas, Christmas. present right we love that that's it was great. amazing. so I did a chemistry read with um two of the guys who are going to play Ghostface or Dennis they check mm-hmm. who you see as Ghostface. Mm-hmm. I think they did an amazing job and here we are a year and a half later in season yes. two so
1: period congrats so on
3: season it's two it's a process
2: though We are so proud of you, though. Thank you. Like, the fact that you kept at it. Honestly, you in that role, McKean already said it, but, like, you did such an amazing job. And I think what you were talking about, what McKean was saying as well, with, like, how it was so good to see, like, the women behind the story, I think is so important. And that's not something that's talked about a lot. But also even Shuri as a character herself, as a woman who's so layered in terms of the fact that, you know, she's, like, so sweet and kind and caring, but also, like, a total badass who doesn't take anything from anybody. For and just sure. Like, there's so much to her. Also, intelligence, too. And I think... Also, you mentioned as well um, in another interview that you did that Shuri is actually based on not one character, but a composite of all of Rizzo's yes. sisters. So I know it can be, like... Maybe, like, a little bit daunting or, like, pressure if you're, like, portraying a real person to, like, you know, make sure you do it right. But how was it to be portraying multiple people? Like, what did that prep process look like?
3: Yeah, honestly, Riza has a huge family. So Mm. not even just, like, getting the sister dynamic, but learning everybody just so I could... It was cool that they allowed us to be around a lot of their family. So Mm -hmm. I met, you know, his daughter and some nieces and nephews and cousins and all that kind of stuff. Um, It felt cool to kind of be welcomed into the family as, like, an extended member. But it was cool meeting the family, meeting the sisters. Honestly, to this day, I've still only met one sister. Um, Really? And I really... Yeah, and I really got most of the information about the whole family dynamic from Riza and his sister, Sophia, um, who I feel like is more of the softer side of, like, the mm. character that I played. That's kind of how I've divided the sisters up in who Sharia is. Like, from what I got from Sophia, was she was, you know, she stood up for her mom and kind of was, like, the mom of the family, but she was mm. also, like, the sweetheart and the soft one whereas their sister Sharie, who you know i'm named after and everything was more like the hard ass causing arguments and like you mm, know somebody was mm-hmm. picking on their brother she would go beat them up so like that's like <laughs> the hard side you know that i yeah. when i have to pull that out um and honestly i'm not even sure they have so many family members i hate to say this but i'm not even sure who the third sister is i sadly haven't gotten to meet her either but I would love to continue to meet these ladies so that you know my character can progress and things right. like that uh-huh. um but it was amazing having to sit down with Sophia because she told me the family dynamic what it was like you know for the boys and their mom and then the sisters and the mom and it really allowed me to see why there would be certain conflicts between you know the relationships and things like that so it was cool because I felt like I was sitting down learning their personal lives. It didn't mean, you know, like they're just telling me what it was like for them to grow up. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm actually going to be portraying this for the world to see. So, you know, I definitely wanted to make sure I did it justice, but it was amazing because it's like, I'm getting information right from the source. I don't have to assume too much, Mm. you know, like I know why they
1: act in this way do things like that and so on and so forth right that's dope I feel like it's really interesting like to hear about the process someone who knows nothing about acting and has never acted beyond my little fifth grade play (laughs) but it's so interesting (laughs) to hear about like the process of like specifically when you're really like portraying real people and real stories that like actually happened and haven't sort of been created just for the screen it's interesting Mm -hmm. to like I didn't even think about you know like getting to meet his whole family and like how complex it is to like portray a family dynamic even in conversation let alone like teach someone else like here's every nuance about my family and like here's how I want you to act it out so like you did I mean, I don't know what their family was like, but you could have fooled me. I thought it was the right one. <laughs> I also, you. Of course. I know. So we mentioned at the beginning in your intro, you are a West Coast girl, LA till you die. And for the show, <laughs> so for the show, you had to film in New York, in Staten Island, right? So what what was that yes. like? And I think when you were in New York, we talked a little bit about this, but like, that's a big transition. And I would just love to hear like, what was crazy about that? What was great about that? Like, what caught you off guard?
3: (laughs) For sure. I feel like my, um, I I mean, I've always loved being from LA, of course, and like just the West side in general. But I feel like it's kind of like an inside joke with all my New York friends now that they're like, oh, here she goes, Little Miss LA. Like, (laughs) Because when (laughs) I was in New York, I'm like, oh my god, it's going outside and it's like 23 degrees and they're like that ass get a bubble coat and get used to it and I'm like this is normal for y'all like this is insane mm-hmm. but you know it was fun as heck because I've never lived outside of LA for that long so picking up and moving to a new city for different circumstances was just like I had culture shock honestly like yeah new york is still in america but it's a complete different beast so it was mm-hmm. beautiful to you know learn that like your um source of public transportation is a train and like everybody walks to new york and just like mm. the mannerisms how people mingle like the social life everything is a complete 180 from la but learning that allowed me to be open-minded and learn more as well you know like. Like, for instance, there is a huge um, Latin population in New York, and we also have that in LA, but the cultural difference is actually, like, it's a lot of Afro-Latinos in um, New York, and so there's, like, people are more together, you know, Um, Mm. and so the lines are kind of blurred, and so it's, like, we're all the same, you know, like, we're all family, whereas in LA, Mm. like, it's I guess it's because we you know, we have like more game territory and things like that mm. and we're closer to Mexico, but it's like we don't have that same relation. So like going out there and seeing the difference between like the yeah. people who spoke Spanish and the black people were kind of one and the same, even that was a culture shock to me because I'm like, it mm. is not like that in LA. Like Period. you look at somebody funny and it's like what's up, you know? <laughs> and I feel like it's more beautiful, it's crazy, but like in New York it's it's just like peace and love and like you know a lot of the population is muslim too and so it feels more spiritual and like pro-black and just you know more welcoming and i really appreciate that and learning that kind of made me have that open heart in mind when i came back to my city and i wanted you know just the culture to be a little bit more like that but i feel Mm -hmm. like it's hard like we don't have the same you know history and references for people that can just jump on that bandwagon Mm. so quick but i love new york like it's its own city and so therefore i appreciate it for what it is i feel like people try and like go to new york and if they're not from there and they want it to be like where they're from like it's not you know you can't expect new york to be like where you're from it's not going to be the same where people come to l.a and expect it to be where they're from like you're coming from a rural city this is a big city like either you get with it or you literally like are gonna get lost it's the same right. thing in New York you know so I just adapted you know because it's like I'm not gonna change the city it's been like this for years so who right. am I to step in New York and be like oh this is weird y'all do this <laughs> but I will say that weather I will never get used to but it is what it is I <laughs> like, believe just, it just, <laughs> just for the day as much as you can. Like you don't know what's gonna happen. If it's gonna rain, it's gonna be hot, humid, snow. But get For ready. real.
2: For mm. real. You know that's true. Preach, preach. I I'm originally from the Bahamas, Ooh. so I moved to New York for nice. college at Columbia. Let me tell you about my first winter. That first time being in snow. Girl, I was shivering. Everybody was looking at me funny. It was a mess. So I understand completely, 100%. But yeah, no. First winter in New York, if you're not from New York, is a mess. But I'm glad to hear about you adapting. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still, it's been two (laughs) years and I'm still struggling. But I'm really happy to hear it on your end. I feel you. Also, though, speaking of first, something that we wanted to talk about as well is, you know, Apparently, was this your first time filming like an on-screen sex scene for a movie? That's what we want to talk about. Give us Ooh. a tea girl. Give us all of it. We want to know. Yeah. For real. Right.
3: So the good news is because of I guess it's like it's shocking actually, but um, so we have something on set called a intimacy coordinator. Mm. And um they make sure that everybody is open. That there is consent. Period. That everybody is comfortable. Yes. Um, and also, you know, before you can do these scenes, you have to get tested, make sure you're okay, all these kinds of things. So it's really, it takes time, and there are a lot of precautions. You know, I think a lot of people think, oh yeah, they don't <laughs> go with it and do it. Like no, it, it takes time. But the crazy thing is, this is a new practice. I would like even speaking to Erica with like my mom. She said, uh, back in the day, they weren't this, they didn't take these precautions. Mm. It was kind of like, okay, you have a sex scene, go do right. it. You know, I'm pretty sure people still got tested, but it was just like, go do it yeah. and action, which is awkward. You know, it doesn't set the tone, it doesn't, you right. know, like Ruins you the vibe. somebody and you're supposed to, yeah, you know, it doesn't, it's awkward. When you're actually having an intimate, uh, you know, relations with somebody who you might've just met. So imagine doing it in front of a bunch of people and on camera. Right. It's like, this is not normal. Um, but thankfully we have an intimacy coordinator. She's super amazing. Make sure that, you know, I'm comfortable. Sadiq is. They shut down the set. So nobody is in the room except for people who have to mm. be, and then We have monitors Mm. all over. Nobody can see the monitors except for, of course, like the director, um, producers, just anybody who needs to see it. If you're not necessary on set, you have to Mm. go just to make it better for everybody. So that was like the amazing part, you know, consent, comfortability, everything, but it's still (laughs) uncomfortable being (laughs) on set. And, you know, for the sex scene that I had, we had a Chris Robinson as the director who also directed you know plenty of music videos and ATL and everything and he's so cool but he goes I need y'all to remember you're having sex like y'all are just quiet laying there is awkward I'm like oh yeah I forgot he's like y'all's had sex right like you kind of have to do that right now so it was funny Considering, you know, Sadiq and I were just kind of like, we we had met each other and we'd hung out a little bit, but it was our first week of filming and we're both basically naked and, like, doing different positions, doing uh, different takes, like, all this kind of stuff, you know, and so it was definitely awkward at first but then you realize like this is my job at the end of the day <laughs> um and so I'm just going to forget about all the exterior things going on and just do my job because also they're not making a sex movie so I know this scene can only last right? Right. so it's like you know I know to narrow it down um and then it, it was cool <laughs> the, also it was just like awkward watching it you know, the premiere, and, like, my parents.
1: Mm, that's what I want to know. I want to know, like.
2: How did that go? How did your parents watching it go? Yeah, I mean,
3: everybody, it's funny, like, most of my family, like, my mom's side of the family, we're pretty mature and grown and have conversations, so they were like, okay, you know, blah, 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 (laughs) blah. But, like, everybody else was like, at first when I saw you kiss him, I was like, ah, those things, don't be doing that. And then they continued watching, they said, then we thought you were getting it on. I was like, get hey, the TV? I was like, oh my gosh. Well, y'all, I'm grown and I had to do what I had to do. But, you know, it's cool. Like, everybody understands that it. it's part of my job. And maybe skip that scene if you don't want to see it that much. <laughs> it, it only lasts that long. Yeah, keep it pushing. <laughs>
1: so, you know, it is what it is. But it was, it was definitely funny. Mm-hmm. I could never, I was like thinking about like you when it happened in the first episode, I
2: was like, hold on, <laughs> the first episode is the only
1: episode. But then I was like, okay, she, she grown or whatever. I like
2: <laughs> I had to turn my volume down because I was watching it on the TV. I was like, oh my God. Oh my. my right? so oh my
3: Lord, have
2: mercy. You did what you had to do, girl. And we, we were here for it. We were living. <laughs> sure, no, Dennis. I thought you. you were cute. I'm not going to lie. That was so cute. Uh, that thank was one of my you. Of I show, can't.
1: You were adorable. Thank you. <laughs> well, now let's move a little bit into like, well, as we mentioned, you've been acting for a minute. Was I don't know how old you were when you started, but it's, it's been a long time. Yes. Most of your life. Am I right? Yes. So, like, what was it like? acting as a child like was being an actress always like the dream for you is that you know or what was yeah what was that like what was the growth like how's being an actress now compared to like your experiences when you were little
3: for sure i think not to get deep but yes um I feel like i was you know everybody is brought to this earth for a purpose and i feel like my purpose was always to um perform or to share my talent and to give back in some way even if that is using my talents you know and my grandmother would always tell me like God gave you these talents he wants you to use them like he wouldn't give you tools Mm -hmm. for no reason so I always was into public speaking like in elementary school I did what we had was called a pep competition so I would do monologues all the time I would do Poetry. I would learn Langston Hughes as a young girl and like James Baldwin, all this okay. kind of stuff. Literally, <laughs> okay. like in elementary school, I competed Go every us. year. And then, you know, we had school plays. I would always be doing the school plays. We had choir um, and glee club. Like, I literally did all of that stuff growing up. And then I grew up in the church. My grandmother made sure I spoke at church, I performed at church, mm. like everything that the children were doing at church, I was there. So I already had mm-hmm. that experience outside of um like acting as a job. So when it came down to doing it on camera, I already was familiar and I wasn't really shy. Like as a little girl, I didn't know that I was working. I mean I knew like I was going on set, you know, but it didn't feel like a job. Right. I was just like, I'm performing mm-hmm. today, you know, like yes. I'm doing a commercial where I'll be doing this, or I'm doing a movie where I'll be playing like this, you know, in a family dynamic and those kinds of things. But it wasn't like I'm acting, you know. I was having fun and, like, learning Mm -hmm. new things. I'm meeting new people. I'm around a whole bunch of adults and other children Mm. and things like that. So it was an amazing experience. And I still was able to be a little girl because you still – legally have to go to school you can only work a certain amount of hours and then I would go to actual school when I wasn't working um but as I got older I started to I would say when I turned a teenager I realized it's not it's not about just being cute anymore like I'm not going to diminish um what I think I naturally have and so I definitely you know was great as a little girl just with energy charisma personality but it's more than just that you know it's are mm. you speaking are you doing the work are yes. you you know really doing the work and so it wasn't until I got older maybe like 17 18 where I really faced my fears of, like amongst myself and was like do you want to take this seriously like I had taken workshops and classes before but I felt like none of them suited me and it was still, like, teenage kind of stuff. You know, I felt like they were still treating us like kids. I'm like, Dakota Fanning has been doing serious work since she was five years old, like, doing, like, kidnapping scenes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Like, why are we doing childish stuff? You know, like, I'm trying to learn things like that. So it wasn't until I was about 17, 18 that I really started to take workshop classes, serious acting classes, Mm. and then I really learned that... (laughs) in this day and age it's not just about um just acting like there is an entire business side that comes with it that you have to be prepared for if you would like to be successful you know you can't there's a full you know like, like there's a lot that goes into it and so you have to know
1: I'm Kelly O'Hara, two-time World Cup champion, Olympic gold medalist, defender for the U.S. Women's National Team, and as of now, your new favorite podcast host. Join me on the Just Women's Sports podcast as I sit down with some of the biggest names in sports to talk about the untold stories behind their success. Featuring Olympians, MVPs, world champions, and breakout stars, the Just Women's Sports podcast tells the real story of what it's like to be a professional athlete today. Find Just Women's Sports wherever you get your podcasts. See you
0: there. Zenny's blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenny frame for stylish all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription blocks glasses starting at just twenty-four dollars. Protect your eyes now at Zenny.com.
3: Every aspect, or else you're going to be out of the loop. Um, so I think- That's what Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize because I didn't even realize it at one point. You know, I was thinking, oh yeah, I've got raw talent. Like, you know, sometimes you speak out of fear and not knowing. So you're like, I have raw talent. Like, I'm going to be good. That's true. But you still have to practice that craft and hone it in and really do the work to Mm -hmm. get to where you want to be. And so it wasn't until I started to do that Mm -hmm. and broaden my horizons that I started to see results and the results that I wanted, you know um yeah so putting my money where my mouth was and really doing the work and not just you know waiting Mm -hmm. for somebody else to hand it to me but also showing right I've done the work and if you would like to work with me like here's what it's going to be like you know so it really is period it takes yeah it's 50 50 effort you know so we love it
2: when you first got started, were there any people that you like really, really looked up to in the industry or did you have like maybe a dream co-star or anything like that? As a little girl, definitely
3: raven Simone was like who I wanted to be through and through. I mean, she sang, she danced, she had a, her own show in movies and she had been doing it since she was a little girl. So I literally was like, I am raven Simone. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wanted to be her more than anything, but also I just... Thought that she was a trailblazer and like super talented, you know. Okay. She literally was like taking the media by storm, right. like from Cosby Show to Cheetah Girls, you know. So she was in charge. Yes, I have yes, we love so much respect for her. Um, but I feel like a lot of, I think seeing a lot of adult black actors take on roles that I couldn't fathom or just like you know, being in crazy scenes and scenarios, I just look up to all of them. I mean, I think Viola Davis is amazing. I think Kerry Washington is amazing. I think, of course, Will Smith. Even Jamie Foxx. Like, I've been going back into um, just looking at his career. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Jamie Foxx was full-blown like just a fool. Like, hilarious. For real. Great comedian. But he can play some serious roles. Like, Mm -hmm. that is so inspiring to see the duality of you know him and certain people's careers how they can really balance it and do like serious things and comedic things and then if you take it outside of acting they can do acting and they can do things right. or they can do acting and directing you know like all these different uh uh-huh. arms that they can you know have right. and, like put their eggs in different baskets is what i mean mm-hmm. say. The love yes, so that's <laughs> really what's impresses me because it it inspires me and shows me that like i love acting i always want to do it but if i want to put my eggs in different baskets i can't it's just do the work like that's all you have to do is do the mm. work apply that pressure and you can be successful like look at our you know the people who have opened the doors for us
1: to do it before right us, so Period. I think, like, Period. that was a great, we, we do believe, believe in you, you. Zoe Miss Director, Zoe Miss, uh, whatever you want to do, if you, you. want to tap dance, singer, we go support Ms. dancer. <laughs> 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 Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of the, like, versatility, I think that's one thing, even that I admired about Raven, like, not as someone who wanted to be in her shoes, but just as, like, as I was learning of, like, the type of person that you can be and, like, the nuance that you can have. I think both in her character, like, on the show, but also, like, in her practice of, like, she was singing. She was fashion designing on the show. She was doing this, that, and the third. And I was just like, whoa, like, you saw. And it wasn't, like, you said, like, they didn't hide the work that it went in. I'm thinking about those episodes of That's So Raven where she, like, was designing the outfits and then got turned away because she was Black. And, like, all of that and how she was so weird and, like, how important that was to me. the range of like possibility and like what I can be if I so dream and like put in the work like so I think that's a great point and I'm also thinking like like Jamie Foxx and like all the other greats who have like had so many types of roles and have sort of played so many different types of characters in their career spans is there like a dream like character that you love to play or is there like a genre that you've yet to like try out whether as an actress or a director or whatever capacity that you would love to try out.
3: Definitely. Um I always say I would like to be similar to Bianca Lawson as far Mm. as career-wise, because I feel like Fountain of Youth herself. Thank you. Fountain of Youth. (laughs) (laughs) She can still play like a 20-year-old or eat like 18 if she wanted. And when I look up, I feel like she's in everything. Like, I'm like, dang, you were in this, yeah, you were this. And I'm like, I don't know how old you are. Like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if this is recent or this is old. Because you look so good and you're in everything. And I, I also respect her a lot because you don't ever hear about her in the media or anything negative. or yeah, nothing bad. All you see is the work. It speaks for itself. She has done everything. And so... I really admire her for that and respect her for that. And I also really love, um, and I think it's inspiring, Issa Rae. Like, she literally was doing her YouTube for a decade before, you know, people started to recognize her for her brilliance. And now she's literally taking HBO by storm and her career Mm -hmm. by storm. I mean, not only is she bringing herself up, but if you look around... Everybody on HBO is having their own segment or show or spin-off or whatever. And I feel like it has a large part to do with her and her influence. And so Mm -hmm. I really want to not just model my acting career after one person or a specific person because of the amount of roles that they've played, but also the doors that they've opened for other people Mm -hmm. and, you know, the different opportunities that they were able to take on and things like that. So I have really molded my, like, the things I want to achieve after seeing these different people, you know, and avenues opening up. So like I said, one day I would love to produce or direct my own project to where I can bring other Black women, other Black men, and just, you know, young people on board and give people Mm. who feel like they didn't have an opportunity or whatever, just to give them that spotlight because that's why I think is going to get us true progress is like, cool, I'm making my way. How do I right. bring everybody else with me? Like the family mm. is only going to eat mm-hmm. if you bring them with you and, Period. you know, continue to open the doors for everybody else. It's not like, oh, I've made it cool. Shut the door so nobody else can make it. Like, it's not like that. There's enough room for Come everybody in. to have a plate and a seat at the table. So that's the only way we're going to, you know, continue to make that progress.
2: Amen. I love that. No, I love the everybody eats attitude because I feel like, like you were saying earlier, the whole competitiveness or like only this amount of people can succeed. Like there's enough room for everybody at the top, for everybody to be successful. So I think that's so important to like bring people along with you on the journey. Also what you were saying about not putting yourself in a box because like we said, you could do anything as long as you put the work Mm -hmm. in. And I think the whole idea of putting in the work in, itself is something in and of itself in terms of like you know sometimes we see you know these actresses on the screen and we're like oh this is such like a glamorous Mm. life or whatever or you know it's so cool to be in like these movies and sometimes you don't really hear about all the work that goes into it or about you know what's happening behind the scenes so I think the fact that you are so real about that is so important especially to anyone who's looking up to you or like aspiring to be in the industry I think with like getting real, I think if you had to pick, what do you think are maybe your favorite and least favorite things about the career, about being in the industry? Definitely. I think the most,
3: what I love is the opportunity it brings. So the opportunity to meet new people, the opportunity to travel, the opportunity to even learn within myself because I'm playing different characters and like unlocking different things. And it's even shown me, you know, I'm I see myself as very confident but, but sometimes I'm like you're sh- no like sometimes you know you don't know everything and you you mm-hmm. have that fear sometimes in you because you don't know what you're capable of so I love that it brings out so many different sides of myself and allows me to not just think about myself in the world that I'm in in the point of view that I might have um so I'm allowed Mm. to see the world for really what it is. Um, What I'm not too fond of is, and I think this is more so like, just maybe the industry in itself is, one, the closed-mindedness of like bringing on new things. Mm. Like I feel like a lot of big corporations and people who give the green light to a lot of things are afraid that, um, you know, newcomers don't know what they're talking about or don't know what they're doing. So they mm. might shun, you know, how Black people on Twitter are constantly, like, giving suggestions about, like, what kind of shows we want to see, right. and movies and all those kinds of things. And it's like, they're being written and they're being pitched, but a lot of companies and things don't want to fund them because mm. they're nervous that it's not going to be successful they think it's not going to be watched you know so right it's like as much as people are asking for it it's not being made because you know money is going into what's already been done like they keep doing the same stuff over and over <clears> again and it's like we want new stuff and also just sometimes like the inappropriateness of the industry you know as we're hearing like the me too movement And pedophilia and all those kinds of things. Like, truthfully, I have not endured things on that level. Thankfully, I'm blessed and appreciative, Mm. but I know that it's happening. I know that it's going on, you know? And so, like, that is pretty disturbing that people are taking desperate people who want to be successful in the industry, whether it's singing or acting or dancing or whatever, and they're taking people's desires and warping it and manipulating it into abusing them like that's sick and it kind of gives the industry a bad rep too it's like you know you're thinking like oh I'm gonna you know I I'm being I'm more successful and stuff you know I'm gonna meet like maybe my favorites and working with directors and actors and all these kinds of people and then you really get to meet them and it's like Damn, you're not who I thought, or you right. didn't live up to the expectations, or you know, you hear about something on the Me Too movement movement, or just something that goes against your morals, and now you're turned off, you know, and now you don't have the same love and respect. Right. So that's something that I'm coming to terms with, but it is what it is because, like I said, more doors are opening up for those people who are hungry mm. and who do have proper morals. So
1: yes. hey. Yes, we love. I like the optimism. And I like, I think the point that you made about Twitter, I feel like Twitter pitches a, a hit show daily. I'm Great thinking ideas. even of yes. like that one photo of Lupita and Rihanna on the side of that runway. Do you guys remember that? And they were like, please give us a movie where like they're agents and they were together. And it was like a whole plot. And they, they'd said, you know, like we're going to make a movie about it and like da 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 da. But I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if anyone with power is listening to this, but please please make it happen happen. (laughs) don't leave that and make (laughs) it
3: happen I'm telling you like people are trying to make it happen black creatives are trying to make it happen I've seen it like I've auditioned for things it'll be in the works and then right when it's about to go to that last final stage it's like Mm. we couldn't get the funding we have to stop it or you know Mm. they said no they didn't think you'd be successful so it's hard like like the stuff that you do see, I'm like, I'm glad it's being made, but there's right. so many other projects that just are getting turned down,
1: so' mm. sort of, ah. on that note of like the- the up and coming the those who listen and might like have a dream of being an actress but like just don't know, and like I've never known what advice would you give to them, and is like, is there anything that you wish you knew before you started that you know now um.
3: I think like I mentioned before, don't don't let your fears get in the way of your dreams. Like, I think for a long time, I feared having to take a class because it was like a little thing, like a fear of like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to be in front of a bunch of people like messing up possibly or not doing well or judging, you know, I was taking acting classes. I was the youngest person in the room. I was 18 years old and all my, you know, co-stars, I guess you could say in the room, we're like 30 and up and so Mm. that was mind-boggling too because I'm like you know they've been doing this for longer than me they might be judging me they might be thinking and sometimes I'd be the only black person in the room too so it's like I've got a lot of kind of anxiety up here but it's like but you're gonna have to perform in front of people anyway so Mm. you have to face that fear like And, you know, yeah, you will get that opportunity that is perfect for you, but if you're not prepared, then it doesn't matter, you know? So don't be afraid to do the extra mile. Like if you want to go to school for it, don't be afraid to, or if you want to read up on it, like, you know, different acting methods and all that kind of stuff, taking workshops, taking classes, like do that stuff. And also if you want to create stuff and you feel like, you know, you don't have to wait for like a big movie producer or production to see you to mm. achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. Like I think the biggest lesson I've learned and my friends and I talk about recently is use your resources that are right before you. Like people always think, Oh, I'ma get on and then I'm gonna work with the biggest, hottest people. Like, why don't you use your friends? Like mm. your friend that wants to be a camera person they they can literally be the videographer your right. friend who wants to get into writing they can literally help you write a script like you have your resources closest to you just bring them in like work on a project like youtube is there vimeo is there like everything is right there at our fingertips just do it like i remember in high school i have a group of friends that literally were writing and directing and we're doing all these small films uh you know, extracurricular activities. And I had no idea this was going on. Like, I was blown away. But we had a film festival in school. And my friends were making crazy-ass, dope-ass movies that I had no Mm. idea was, like, going on. And, you know, they're still doing it. And some of them have made it to the Sundance Festival. And, like, you know, they're making strides just from doing home movies that they were doing back in high school. And now, you know, they're adults and, like, getting deals and things like that. So, you know maybe you feel like you're not being noticed now in the audition world or in the industry but it's like you can still be noticed by just mm. doing the work and linking up with your friends so you really there is no excuse like I right. understand if you're afraid but get over the fear and just do the work and go for it like and it's fun you know once you would get over that irrational fear it's fun and you're like I'm mm. glad I did that I learned something new It was uncomfortable, but now I'm a new person. So it's only uncomfortable for so long. Right.
2: That's dope. Period. No, all the points, all the points were made. I think especially with what you're talking about, like, Like we said, everybody eats. So I think people tend to not think about the resources that they have at their disposal. And I think with thinking about like, you know, advice for like people who want to be up and coming as like screenwriters or as actresses, like get your friends together and make a project. And I feel like in the age of the internet that we're in now, like you said, with Mm. YouTube, with Vimeo, like don't be afraid to like put something out there and get discovered. Like I'm thinking about all the people like even making like those short tiktok films or whatever and some of them are like blowing up and they're like getting deals off of that so honestly anyone listening don't be afraid to get on it zoli said herself (laughs) you got the inside scoop from zoli she gave you all the facts so and
3: like producers and directors and writers they are all online watching Like you Mm -hmm. might not think it, but I mean, even though sometimes it's not the best because sometimes people do be stealing ideas, (laughs) but they are looking, they are watching, they are, you know, trying to hire people, all that kind of stuff. So social media really is, can be your best friend if you use it the right way, you know, period.
2: No, awesome. And I think thinking about more, I guess, a little inside scoop from Zoli on your experiences. Thinking about what you were saying, like, again, you've been on a very big range of sets and all like the projects that you've done. Is there, or has there been any difference between being on maybe a majority black show or majority black set versus being in a, on a white set or in those white spaces that you found?
3: For sure. I think it's, it comes down to things like as simple as the stylist, the makeup artist, the hair stylist, you know, like doing Wu Tang, they were like, Don't worry, we're going to make sure that your hair is protected. Like whatever you mm. feel comfortable with, whatever you don't, like we got it. Um same I mean honestly my makeup artists are white, but they're dope as hell. They're open minded and they know what they're doing, you know? So it it really just depends. Like, um I think the big difference though is just we feel like we are comfortable because most of the people around us look like us and understand us, you know? And because the show Mm. is so black, like it's a bunch of black people in a black ass state, we're in New York, like you know, Um, we're, we're welcoming other races into our Mm. world. You know, it doesn't feel like we're being introduced to their world. It's like, this is what it's like. So, you know, We do say nigga and sometimes the guys are like, you know, a ghetto hot ass mess, but that is who they are and And nobody's going to, you know, like, yeah, it's like you can't say anything like this is our world. This is how we are. So it's either you get with it or you can get lost and you can can go to another set. Like there's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that because if this makes you uncomfortable, there is a set out there for you that, you know, you Mm -hmm. can work at that. You maybe feel better. So, like I said, it's dope to know that we are the majority and so we feel comfortable amongst ourselves and, you know, uh, also Rizza and everybody is really open-minded and welcoming and they listen to us if we do or don't like certain things and it's just nice to have somebody who looks like you as a higher up so you don't feel like, damn, they're not listening and they don't get it because, you know, they don't, Mm -hmm. uh, they don't get it. So, it's, it's dope to have somebody who like just understands, so that when you're saying what it is that you right. like changed or whatever, whatever, that they're like, okay, cool, like mm-hmm. we get it. Um, so it's just good to
1: have somebody like right. That's, that's what's up, and I feel like that's the part of representation that we we talk about representation as like a visual thing, but we don't talk about it as like. it's such a big deal about like who's in in the the room room that's setting the culture of this whole space of this whole environment like who's setting the tone and I mean back to the Ellen show controversy like it really matters who's at the top and it everything trickles Mm -hmm. down like if things aren't right at the top and if things don't look like me or feel like comfortable for me at the top they're not going to feel comfortable anywhere so I feel like that's a great point about like the the way that you guys were able to exist and I'm sure that only helps strengthen the story you know what I mean like if they had y'all film a Wu-Tang exactly. show with like all white directors, all white cast, all white, everything, it would have been like, is this Wu-Tang? wu Completely different show. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, and sometimes we did have
3: white directors who would come in and they would have suggestions, you know, um, and just even directors who weren't from America. So they right. don't understand like our culture and things like that, like American culture and Black American culture. And so, you know, the guys would be like, although I do respect you as a director, I'm going to be honest, that's Mm. not authentic. That doesn't make sense. That would throw off the show. And so it's like, when you have people like RZA at the top and people like Alex, who he's not black, but he's, you know, a person of color and he's from New York, it's like, you have people backing you and they're like the boys Mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes me or whoever, we can make those calls because it's like, they know that they trust us and we just,
0: you know, right. you know
3: what's authentic and what makes sense versus like an outside voice trying to come in, and you can't tell guys from New York like how to right. like, be New York. Like how are you gonna tell me? They're as authentic <laughs> as it gets. You know, like how are you gonna tell them? So you know, it's that's what's up. Cool. I
1: think, like on that note, and sort of one final question about like the entertainment world and what you see for the future of it. Like, what are some concrete like changes that the industry as a whole can make to sort of Ensure that sets don't feel like isolating to people of color, or like whether they're majority black or not, like that everyone is comfortable to sort of be authentic in those spaces.
3: I think everybody should literally just like <laughs> this is so it's so simple, but that's literally all it is. Like it could be so mm-hmm. simple if everybody was just au- authentically themselves and would allow others to be that way as well. You know, like as a, as like different races and cultures, we don't all act the same. We don't all speak the same, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I feel like it would be really important on set to be like, do you feel comfortable having, you know, like this kind of hairstylist on set or makeup artists or just, you know, asking people what their preferences are and what they would feel more comfortable with sometimes and allowing the actors or whoever who is going to be portraying certain things Mm. or working amongst a certain group, like what would you prefer? Um, and what's cool for you? Because sometimes you're on set, like we were on set for five months. So it's like, I'm really going to get to know y'all. I really want to make sure I'm comfortable with everybody, you know? Um, and so just asking people what they would prefer Mm. and not to have it like, so, um, monitored, or you know, to feel judged because there aren't people that look like you or understand you around. So, to make sure that you have a genuinely diverse set, and that it makes sense, and not just doing it for brownie points or right. for show, but like make sure you do the the research the right way, and not just like, okay, we got a Checking black this box, right. and um, <laughs> a black hairstyle. Yeah, we're gonna check this box. Literally. So everybody's good, right? Because <laughs> Sometimes not all uh, skin folks are skin folks as that's well. It. So it's like
2: making <laughs> sure that is on period. That is own period. Genuine, authentic. We're not trying to be a diversity box that you just tick and go about your day. So love that. Amen. <laughs> period. period. Points were made. No, Everything period. you said. <laughs> so wrapping it up a little bit now with the you know this amazing conversation we just had about the entertainment industry just closing off we just want to know more about you and what you got going on so we wanted to mention to you you know we were so so proud of you with that project you put together for your birthday with the grab and go Inglewood. we would love to hear more about that and also just on top of that like What else do you got going on? Where else can we expect to see you? What are you looking forward to? Just give us the tea.
3: For sure. Um, (laughs) I was just on Instagram because that's what we all typically do. Mm -hmm. And I found this page called ALT as an Alternative Chicago. Mm. And they started like an alternative market um, where people can, they just, you know, set up supplies. And people can just take them as they need. And I was like, that is so amazing. And it's so simple. Like Mm. they just got some wood and got some, you know, just like uh, shells and things like that to place things on. And they did it. I'm like, and I have the means and I feel like I have the privilege to do Mm. so. Why not do so? Um, And so thankfully, I also have friends who are also, Privileged enough to assist me in these times. And so I was like, look, if you can help, friend or not, please do as you pray right. if you would like to. Um, and so I just felt like Inglewood was a city that sometimes gets looked over and needs a little bit of love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've lived in Inglewood for some time in my life. You know, being from LA, I've lived in like every part of the city that there is. And so I just wanted to give back to one of the communities that I love and just to help some people out. And it's been so cool. Like I go over there and drop off donations or just go to hang out and people will walk by and like ask what's going on, ask if they can donate, mm. you know, or just thankful that it's being done. And it, it's not about the praise. It just feels good to get on that community level right. and see people's faces, you know, because I've been in the house for some months mm. now. So just having <laughs> that social interaction <laughs> it's been rewarding enough and like to see people that need it has been rewarding enough and like you know I think it's also been cool to have my friends come out and also do the same thing and they get the same reaction from people and things like that and it's been bringing the community together that's beautiful and so that has been really rewarding um and uh yeah, like I said, and hopefully it's inspired other people to do the same. Like people have been reaching out, like, I don't wanna take your idea, but can I do it? And I'm like, well, We do it. Like this was not my idea, you know, I got it from somebody else. So like hopefully it continues to grow and everybody does a grab and go and everybody does um the free food fridges that you guys have probably been seeing too all over the nation. So It's sad that our government won't do it for Mm. us, but because they won't, the people have to step in and do it. And so if that's what it means to bring us together and let a little bit of individualism go so we can come as a community, I think why not do it? I love it. And then personally, I'm really appreciative that before quarantine started, I was able to do a project um, in December and January so I do have like a really cool movie coming out. I don't Ooh. know when, Ooh, because of everything. <laughs> right, because of everything going on, I, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be in theaters, but I'm not sure now. But it's called Arch Enemy, um, and it's like it's like a twist on Max Fury type of movie. Mm. So it's like sci-fi action. Yes. I'm playing a really cool character. Her name is Indigo. I won't go too much into it, but I think it's going to be a really dope movie. And yeah, it's just something different. Like it's kind of in the, we were supposed to go to Comic-Con this year. Mm. Didn't happen, unfortunately, but I thought it was really cool because I've always wanted to get into that world. Um, and didn't know how or where I would see myself, you know, and this was the perfect opportunity. So, like I said, it's just another great, uh, like, opportunity to meet new people Mm -hmm. and a new perspective and a new point of view that I might not have, you know, before doing it. So I'm really excited for that to come out and just continuing to do this humanitarian work and the community work because I feel like that's what has brought me a great sense of purpose right now is working and doing the community work you know like getting back to the basics right. um so that's a beautiful those thing those are what matters that's me. so
1: beautiful and also oh. give us afrofuturism with this role i'm ready for it i'm not a comic con girl myself but <laughs> listen i'm gonna be there and if y'all make me pay for it on netflix i will if, if it's just this is like mulan we it's will. extra 30 dollars i don't are. care if it's a movie theater or not like i'm ready <laughs> so we can't wait for that thank you (laughs) of course I think so too like
3: to have like a black girl in this world of like comic-con and sci-fi I think it's definitely dope because it's not just me I have a little brother too so it's two black people Mm.
1: in a different world so definitely that's beautiful well thank you this was amazing thank you for the insight thank you for the tea for the realness I think The one thing I really appreciate about you and I think people will appreciate about this episode is you just keep it real. It feels, you know, like when you watch interviews with your actresses that you look up to, it's always like, yeah, well, that's amazing. And (laughs) like, yeah, I tried out and I got it and that was it. But I think like we really appreciate the honesty and like the transparency with the process and like the work that you put in. Like it's not no like I made it happen and it just happened. It's like, no, I worked for months and then I made that happen. So I really, really appreciate that. And we're so glad to have had you here today. Before we wrap things up, we just want to close with the like thing that are bringing us joy real quick. So for me, I had to think today because it's been a week and I could not really immediately think of something bringing me joy, but I just started rereading um, Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon. And that is bringing me, like really feeding my spirit. Toni Morrison has just, you know, a way with words and like, Telling stories that just make books feel like, you know, like once I'm reading this, it's like nothing else is going on. So that's been bringing me a lot of joy this week for sure. How about something that's bringing you joy, Zoli? Definitely
3: cooking, learning new recipes. Like I love to cook. And like I said, getting back to the basics. So just honing in that skill and being a plant mom. I'm like trying to take yes. care of my plants, I'm trying to start oh. a garden, all that kind of stuff. So that's been bringing me immense joy. McKean and the yes. garden.
1: Oh, that's so cute. I do love to garden. If you ever got any questions, I'm I gonna got hit you up because <laughs> I do.
2: So that's perfect for real. We love that. <laughs> for me, okay. McKean burst my bubble before this episode started because (laughs) (laughs) I saw a tweet that said that SZA was coming out with a new album and I'm not gonna lie I did not read all of it apparently it was fake apparently it was a rumor so I was like oh wait," but now I don't
1: know don't take my word I I I do not see that but yeah
2: The thing that's bringing me joy is I started re-listening to Control, and when it first came out, I didn't have, like, Apple Music, so I could only, like, listen to the songs that were, like, the most popular, and I still love them, don't get me wrong, but I never heard, like, Go Gina or Normal Girl or any of those, so I listened to those for, like, the first time, and, like, I just been, like, really. I have, like, so many good memories associated with that album, so I've just been living, I'm just here for it, so. That's good. A- I'm <laughs> loving
1: that for you. Honestly, that month, my monthly revisit to Control is like what keeps me going. Every month is like, oh, let me- I haven't listened yet. Like, let me go back.
0: <laughs> so I'm glad
1: you finally got you some Gogina And thanks, to y'all, for listening to today's episode. That is all we have for you. Um, special thanks to Zoli for being our amazing guest this week. Thank you, McKean Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> of course. Go check her out. Gas her up on Instagram. Her ad name is at Zoli G. And if you have anything else to plug, the people should keep an eye on or is Instagram the place?
3: Yeah, Instagram and IMDb. And I'll let y'all know when it happens.
2: <laughs> Period. Period. Zoli, it's been such a pleasure having you on today. Everyone, go watch Wu-Tang and American Saga on Hulu ASAP if you have not watched it already. And also make sure to tune into next week's episode where McKean and I are going to be having a little conversation. Just getting, honestly, like, real and honest about this whole thing where you have to have your life figured out in your early 20s and just breaking that down and saying like what that's like and how it's not true and just a bunch of tea we're just gonna spill it all next week so for real tune into that yeah
1: so in the meantime keep up with us on instagram at black girl blueprint where you can send us any questions or discussion topics or whatever you want to share with us you can also reach us by email blackgirlblueprint at gmail.com And if you like this episode, please please let us know by subscribing, giving us a review, telling your friends, telling your mama, telling your aunties, tell everybody. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone.
2: Bye, everybody.
3: See you next week. (laughs) Bye.
0: This year has us all wanting to be healthier, and that includes our eye health. But how do you get vision coverage if you're retiring? It's actually pretty easy.